everyone. I'm Leslie Erdelak, and you're listening to Health Affairs This Week, a podcast where every week you can join the editors at Health Affairs for a conversation about all things health policy, along with the healthcare headlines and the stories that caught our attention. Today, we have a guest on the show, and I am very excited to be talking with Dr. Thomas Lee about emerging issues in digital healthcare and telemedicine. And we're at such a pivotal moment right now for telehealth services. We've seen different platforms and the industry as a whole just evolve dramatically because of the pandemic. What makes Dr. Lee's perspective so indispensable is the fact that he's kind of this prolific figure, part clinician, part entrepreneur, who made a big impression very early on in the healthcare startup space. Early in his career, he began practicing medicine as a board-certified internist and realized he had a lot of questions about the business side of healthcare. And unsatisfied with the answers he was getting, he stepped away from clinical practice and earned his MBA at Stanford. Dr. Lee is currently the CEO and founder of Galileo, which is a new healthcare delivery model designed around multi-specialty care. And before launching Galileo, Dr. Lee helped create and scale One Medical, a membership-based primary care platform that combines telemedicine and in-office care. So Dr. Lee, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thanks, Leslie. It's great to be here. Great. So I wanted to start off big picture by talking about some of the trends we're seeing in telemedicine. Um, There's this new analysis by the Kaiser Family Foundation on how telehealth use has changed over the course of the pandemic, maybe born out of necessity, right? We know there was a massive jump in telehealth during the early months of the pandemic. Even though it's tapering off, people are still using telehealth more than they did pre-pandemic. And it seems like patients and providers have gotten over some of their initial skepticism um, about telehealth and virtual care, but it's still hard for people to let go of that idea of high-touch care, you know, that typically comes with a visit to the doctor's office. So I'm guessing that you might have encountered this same kind of friction when you were building One Medical and Galileo. So what do you make of these trends? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I think when you look at something as disruptive as the pandemic, it really did change lots of behaviors and habits and norms for individuals across all parts of their lives, including healthcare. And so when you look at the data, it certainly is consistent with that uh, shift. When you look at overall behavioral health and modification of habits, uh, you know, kind of durable habits are hard to change. And so I think you start to see some regression as society starts to kind of imagine a, a life back to kind of a closer to normal. So I think Um, we're seeing that shift back into office-based care, and it's not too much of a surprise. I do think that it did give people a a sense of what's possible. One of the nuances that's lost in some of the analysis on the numbers is digital health means so many different things depending on who you are as a patient, what kind of care and service you're getting, and who the clinician is on the other side of that phone call or video visit. So I think there's many different you know, what are called patterns and ways that things are happening kind of beyond just the the overall stats. With us at Galileo, you know, we've just been started pre-pandemic and, you know, the pandemic obviously accelerated growth for us, but we're not seeing that decrease. We're only seeing an increase with us just because we're small. I think 
uh, when you're looking at the overall picture, I think there's many things happening at the same time. So you mentioned this um, sort of acceleration, and I actually saw another article recently that said something to the effect of, because of the pandemic, we've basically pushed forward 10 years worth of telehealth legislation uh, in the U.S. in less than three months. So what is your sense of the general regulatory environment right now for telehealth? It's interesting, you know, because, you know, regulatory changes are so glacial that, um, you know, the standard quo is so slow that any catalyzing force, if you think about the Affordable Care Act, you know, there's a lot of catalyzing forces in around that time that allow that to happen. But it's very rare otherwise um, to get you know, structural legislative changes. I would say, just like with the Affordable Care, you end up with a bit more of a mosaic of regulatory frameworks that can make things, you know, if anything, a little bit more complicated because depending on if you're commercially insured, insured by Medicaid or Medicare, that coverage may vary and change. And depending on if you're a traditional provider or a digital health only provider, uh, those implications and incentives may vary. So I think it's a mosaic of impact here. I would say in general, obviously incrementally favorable at least temporarily. And I think the real question is durably, what is the real long-term outcome of this? And I think at, at some level, probably what people are evaluating is what's the real impact to cost of care and quality of care. Ultimately, that's how we view things from a healthcare policy lens. And I think cost, I think, is a little bit mixed. And um, I think quality is probably mixed too, depending on kind of what your lens is on quality. And payment parity too between telehealth and in-person visits and whether that's even the appropriate strategy when you're thinking about reimbursement and, and payment. Um, is something that I think is likely to be a big focus of the debate moving forward. Also, another one of the biggest outstanding questions for those in health policy is sort of the degree to which telehealth and in-person care are interchangeable. And what you sort of validated with One Medical is this idea that telemedicine really is most effective when it's integrated with the rest of the primary care experience. You know, we're seeing these companies move more toward these models with services that support longitudinal care. And I understand, you know, that's part of what you're working on at, at Galileo. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think the lens to look at Galileo is kind of from my training forward. I train in some of the best medical systems out there, and I think the care in these models are fantastic, but the system in which they operate are broken. The providers are not effectively uh, spending their time. Patients are getting a mixed experience in terms of quality and affordability. When you look at the traditional model, quote unquote, it's really predicated on office-based experience. Uh, one-on-one with a doctor. With One Medical, we wanted to augment that experience with a digital experience. So uh, One Medical was a digital extension of that office-based experience. But even as we were scaling One Medical, it became apparent that the information flow between patients and providers was not that effective and not fair and equal across all patients, You know, meaning it was all predicated on whether they had access to a doctor in that moment in time. And so what we wanted to do with Galileo was broaden the access of care more affordably to more patients, you know, broadly uh, across geos, so not be physically dependent, but virtual first, but not just do it through a technology innovation of convenience, but change the way 
clinicians practice. And so beneath the hood, how doctors actually provide care to patients is also structured differently so that providers and patients can exchange information more effectively in a convenient form factor that makes it more accessible to more populations. And so that's kind of what we've been focusing on Galileo is really breaking away from the physical dependency and the synchronous dependency and moving it into what I call a knowledge-based system that allows patients to access this highest quality care model no matter where they are. And so you started to talk a little bit about some of the issues around equity, and I want to pick up there. And I just to say, I think people's expectations are really quite high when you know it comes to what they're looking for or, or what they're looking to get out of these quote-unquote direct-to-consumer um, sort of telehealth platforms. You know, just because it's available doesn't mean everyone's using it. And we've seen these different patterns in terms of which patients and consumers tend to embrace telehealth. You know, getting back to kind of my question, Galileo, you know, in particular is designed to reach more underserved populations, um, you know, who might have more complex care needs. You talked a little bit about some of the influences and maybe some of the motivation for moving in this direction. But did you look at any, was there, were there any data points or was there any research, you know, kind of, I'm curious about like what else sort of pushed you to move in this direction? Ultimately, I'm trained as a clinician that wants to care for all patients and the care settings I saw, there were some very underserved and complex populations that uh, inspired me to kind of pursue an entrepreneurial career. So one medical was the first step on that, but it was mostly designed around urban and commercial populations. And I knew it wasn't really well designed for last mile communities, really underserved populations, and all the complexity you can see in different geographies, uh, ethnic diversities, and or clinical complexities. And so I wanted to design a model that could extend more broadly. And to do so, you, you need to build a different platform and a different chassis to do so. And the, the short answer is the way you make care more accessible is you make it more affordable and, and more available. And so technology is just a short portion of that. How expensive the care is and how you can price it affordably through a variety of health plans. You know, we're just launched now with a Medicaid health plan, but we're also involved with Medicare, commercial, individual exchange, and uninsured populations. That's all predicated on it being affordable and designed to improve the quality and affordability of care in general. So that was the innovation that we needed to design to make it possible. And now we're in the phase of expressing it through a variety of channels and making it available to as many people as possible. What do we know about telehealth and health spending? Are you seeing signs that telehealth might be a good way to lower costs? I would say probably the jury's out. If you talk to the commercial vendors, they all say that they're saving money. But if that were true, healthcare costs would be going down and not up. And if you look at a lot of the studies that have been done, they're mixed, if not Uh, somewhat suggestive that they're additive to costs. And I think it's not inconsistent with what you see in the healthcare system today, the traditional system. It's very similar to the physical world. The digital world have providers that are doing more unnecessary work and very what I call thin level care. And then there's some providers like One Medical and Galileo, frankly, that do a deeper level of care more thoughtfully without a desire to overdo or overcharge. And I think that's kind of the goal is figuring out how you can do more for less in a thoughtful, quality-focused way. People who do higher quality care generally 
can reduce the need for excessive care and expensive care. Sometimes those don't correlate. So I think that's what we've been seeing. We at Galileo have now done some studies to suggest that we are reducing total cost of care. But I think it's uh, harder than people imagine uh, on a digital platform. You really have to design it to do so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll be great to see some of that data. I know people really have an appetite for it. So you've said that virtual care models hold this potential to eliminate um, inequities you know, that we're seeing across the healthcare system. And I think what's so difficult to unpack about that is, you know, exactly how we do that, how we go about it. You know, one dimension, of course, is access. And when you think about some of the barriers to traditional telemedicine use, digital uh, literacy and inclusion, I think, are both key. Just last year, the American Medical Association codified internet access as a social determinant of health. I've read a little bit about what you're doing, um, some of the newer things that you're doing with Galileo, but if you could just you know, describe or tell us about some things that you think we should be focusing on to make telehealth more accessible. There's so many dimensions to providing less disparate care, right? We know the healthcare system, but almost by definition, is highly disparate and variable and against particular segments. And so not necessarily by intent, but just the, you know, by habits and architectures and legacy processes. And so when we've looked at trying to level a playing field for everybody, one is obviously affordability and access. So being available through any health plan uh, or program type. The second dimension is geographic agnostic, being able to care for people in far and remote regions as well as urban regions so that you're less geographically focused. And then you talk about the individual characteristics of an individual, their background, their education, their ethnicity, uh, their literacy, their digital access, and all of those dimensions also create friction. So you have to think about all those segments and then design the care to be more accessible to broader segments. And that can be expensive if you keep doing it ad nauseum, so you have to think about it structurally. So a lot of what we've been doing is thinking about putting that content in a very kind of personalized way throughout our whole system structurally. As an example, you know, we're one of the few digital health providers that offer a full-stack Spanish language application. And if you think about easily 15-plus percent of the population is Hispanic predominantly speaking, and there aren't that many digital health apps that uh, service that community directly, that alone is starting to level the playing field for that population. And then you think about other underrepresented minorities trying to uh, uh, kind of create better matching between patients and provider preferences. So a lot of that work can be facilitated through technology and the design that allow us to do a much more novel, quote unquote, medical group than you would ever get in a brick and mortar setting because it's just, you know, it's practically impossible in a physical sense to create that kind of virtual pool. So Dr. Lee, that's all the time we have today, but I so enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you. Yeah, no, likewise. Uh, It's still early days for us, but excited about the future. So if you enjoyed this episode of Health Affairs this week, share it with a friend and tune in again next week. Thanks again.